This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast Wednesday night edition. A beautiful Wednesday night in Atlanta. Chris Vanini of the Athletic, the Athletic Bullet Club, excuse me, is here. Chris, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So who is in the Athletic Bullet Club? Who I'm assuming you're the founding member, so who who's left? Are you the Jay White yeah. leader at this point, or are you the Finn Balor leader? Well, I mean, we're just starting, so I probably the Finn Balor leader. I, I have to I admittedly have to invite some other wrestling fans in the company, but uh what you're referencing is I photoshopped the the Bullet Club logo with the athletic logo and I have that as my Twitter uh background photo. Um, you are the second person to, to notice it. So I appreciate it. That was honestly the one of the, cause I, I mean, I've been following you for years with coaching search and just, um, all your great reporting on that front, but, uh, just seeing you pop up on there. Cause I thought it was a Raiders thing at first. And then I double checked and I was like, Oh, Chris is definitely a pro wrestling guy. All right. And I just followed it away and I was like, well, I, maybe I'll be able to get him on the podcast to not talk about, um, Jim McElwain hiring Dan LaFever as his OC in Central Michigan. Maybe, maybe we can find something else. Um, I'm just making that <laughs> up, but I want that to happen uh, very badly because who could ever forget our LaFever dreams in Chippewa Country, right? For real, that that 2009 team was legit. It was. <laughs> is it Dan LaFever? Am I just like making that up, or is it? It was. Was it Dan LaFever? What was it? Yeah. Yep. That was it. Dan LaFever. Yeah. Antonio Brown was on that team. Yeah, and he had that great game against Georgia where, like, there's all this film study where, like, they just targeted him over and over again, and he just kept turning these little short routes into 15-yard gains over and over again, and Georgia had no answers, and yeah. And he had a weird number in college, I want to say. Wasn't he, like, 17, something like that? I don't, I don't remember. They beat Michigan State that year, too, 2009. Hmm. And you're a Michigan State guy, too, right? Yeah, I graduated there in uh, 2011. Okay. Um, are you at all biased to, uh, towards Michigan State still or no? No, I mean at, at this point, you know, when you're a reporter, you you it's it's pretty easy to back out of that. I don't even cover them anyway. I write about Group of Five football, mm-hmm. um, so it it 
rarely comes up anyway. But uh, I mean, I still follow them, and a lot of my Twitter followers are, are Michigan State people from my days of covering them. But uh, my Twitter feed is a lot of things right now. Who's the best group of five coach to keep up with? Uh, you mean just like someone to, to like just like chat with? Yeah, just to chat with, just to catch up with, and you're like, oh, I can talk to this guy. He's he's cool. I like him. I I mean, I live here in Dallas, and Sonny Dykes at SMU is is always really open mm. to talk about anything, and he'll go on the record just about anything. And uh, some you know, some coaches are super coach speaking and don't tell you much of anything, but Sonny Dykes is a pretty laid back guy who will. Uh, talk openly about everything so that's okay nice. there you go and they had a fun year this year um i weirdly watched the entirety of that hawaii um smu game which was fun um i'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a very big hawaii person if you are familiar with the podcast at all people know that uh, cole mcdonald was my dude and colt brennan back in the day and i just ever since they went back to the run and shoot offense i've bought back in so shout out to my rainbow warriors america's true team um for bringing the dream back you know, Nick, Nick Rolovich is another guy like that. He's a really the Hawaii coach. He's a really goofy, goofy guy. He's always like pulling pranks on people and stuff. And uh, he's a, he's a funny dude. Well, that's good to know. More reason to like Hawaii football, folks. Um, so we're not going to talk any more about college football right now. Um, that we're going to talk <laughs> about pro wrestling, which I don't know how much you ingested this weekend, but. Um, I by my count there was ninety three hours of programming that everyone had to watch, um, which it's kind of amazing because the way the WWE is set up anyway is that like you don't even get a break because Monday and Tuesday like you still have more programming than if you watch NXT. Guess what? Next night, like I cannot wait for SmackDown to be on Fridays and just have that break and at least just have one show. But then again, you're seeing the reports of like, it might be a three hour show. And then we're just, this is uh we're living in hell at that point, Chris. But um, <laughs> what did you make of WrestleMania 36? Let's just start there. Was it long enough for you? It was 35, right? Or 35, excuse me. Yes. I'm already we, we don't have the 36. numbers anymore. Right. See, we don't have the numbers anymore. So we got to try to remember it by the logo at this point, which I wish you really wish. That's the first thing I'll say is they need to bring back the Roman numerals. Uh, this would have been XXXV, which is a really cool looking number. But isn't that whatever. a Vince thing? At least there, Wasn't it, there like a weird dirt sheet thing? Yeah. He just doesn't yeah. Like I him? mean, the, the, rumor, the, rumor was that Vince, the rumor was that Vince doesn't like the Roman numerals because it makes things feel old. I don't know. The Super Bowl does it but the super bowl now has a generic logo so give and take but i mean as for as for the show itself um i i felt a lot like i did last year and that it was overall a really good show really fun show the first half maybe even two-thirds was on pace to being one of the best ever and then the last third kind of just fizzles out with kind of a weird ending that you question and it kind of uh, makes you just question things at the end but overall a really fun uh, fun night with a lot to to cheer for yeah the ending was weird and by all accounts um i love that the referee got fined by vince just uh, uh I, you got a feel for that dude because like his explanation based on what um the the reporting has been surrounding that incident and what we're talking about obviously is Rhonda botched it and her shoulders came up and the plan was for her to get pinned which 
I don't agree with either. I think ultimately, if you really want to establish Becky Lynch, is you you make her, you you have to. I understand like not making Ronda tap there, even though that's what it should have been. Um, I I guess that was a an okay thing, but obviously making it a schmozzy finish was not the not the plan. But also like, what do you do if you're the ref? And his explanation of like, I had to do it because like his instincts took over because. If he doesn't, Ronda's on her own because that's when the match was supposed to end. And then it's a lot of calling out spots and just it's something where when you've only had like seven matches in your career, you're just you're still so much of a novice and still so green in some ways where it's like, oh, God, this could get ugly very quickly. So he made a he made a, um, a judgment call. And I don't know. I don't think he should have been fine. That was a little messed up. I think Ronda Rousey should have been fine for uh, being uh for causing that kind of weird finish but then again she broke her hand so that that sucks but i don't know i just i thought that whole referee stuff was fascinating and also getting fined for that it's i didn't even know that referees got fined for like messing stuff like that up it's it's wild so is that the is that the consensus now because i've seen some i hear there's always various reportings and rumors and when it comes to what happened it happens in a match it's always hard to know who to believe on what but is what you're saying what seems to be the accepted conclusion? Yes. Okay. That's, that is a weird, that is a weird finish. And I agree with you that, um, I wouldn't have, uh, I, I would have penalized Rhonda and not the official because if it, it, it was, I guess that makes sense. Cause if, if it's not supposed to be the finish, the referee is generally not going to count that third one. Right. You know, they, they know to, they know what the finish is, so they know to pull their hand away. Um, even more than r- whether or not Rhonda's shoulders were down, I, I get, I mean, I don't know. The, she got up and immediately no sold it and was complaining about things. Which, so I guess is the plan a roll up and she was supposed to be upset that she got rolled up because Yes. Rhonda's reaction and the subsequent commentary reaction took away from it more than anything anybody else did. That's what made it feel like a botched finish, not on the referee, uh, not on the referee's part, but on everybody's part. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Could it just be that Rhonda was tired because this match was still going on at 4 a.m. East Coast time that uh, she just she she fell asleep a little bit and forgot the, the finish and she instinctively pulled her shoulders up a little bit. Could that be it? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to what no, it's I'm like to be in a wrestling ring. Late, but I still couldn't believe that that main event was going on past midnight uh, on a Sunday night. I, I, see, I live in Central Time now, and that makes everything so much easier. Yeah. Um, when you're East Coast, it does not. And it's one of those things where it's, it, you're like, oh, my God, tomorrow is going to be tough. Um, what do you think we're going to remember most about WrestleMania 35? What's going to stand out for you? It's it, it, it's going to be Kofi, uh, without a doubt. Um, I agree. The story the story was great. The match was great. The finish was great. The celebration, everything they did. Um, it, that that's one of those. I know it's now a trademark cliche term, WrestleMania moment, but that's that's what stands out. Uh, number one for just a variety of reasons and seeing the reactions of people after that, whether it was uh, MVP in that, in that video tearing up about it, just what it meant to African-Americans and African-American wrestlers. um, That's without a doubt. I think what stands up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I've talked about it on this podcast before, but like, I mean, it's no secret that um, just this was always going to be something in the back of their minds, and obviously. Vince McMahon and this company is familiar with that sentiment because they played into that in the storyline with Kofi and Daniel Bryan. Um, but I didn't have Kofi winning. I just, I thought based on like everything they were doing with Daniel Bryan and this run, if you take the title off him now, but then again, thinking about, and you hear that uh, the the story about Daniel Bryan being restricted on what he can actually talk about in his promos and like not being able to talk about in the environment anymore and dropping that. And it's like, oh, well, I guess this gimmick has kind of run its course. So what's the point of keeping this whole thing going months on end and just cash in on Kofi right now? But um, Vince is a very stubborn guy and Kofi was not part of the plan because none of this happens if Mustafa Ali doesn't get right. hurt. Like, none of this happens, and it's crazy how that works. And also, another thing that makes that even more um, uh, kind of funny I'm, from my perspective is that, like, this week, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are talking about they put scripts out years in, like, a year in advance and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, absolutely. That's why your biggest WrestleMania moment this year was something that happened in the last couple of weeks. And you probably made the call, like, that night to uh, pick Kofi over Daniel Bryan. There's no way they had decided that Kofi was going to be the victor weeks ago or anything like that. That's 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 silly. Um but it was great, and I was surprised because we got three babyface wins um, to on the three biggest matches on this card, and that's that's kind of wild because I don't think any of us saw that coming, especially like Seth just winning definitively. Like I, that was my most confident one. I was like, ah, this Brock Lesnar stuff. I think he's gonna stay around. I I'll see it when I believe it. Like they didn't even give it to Roman Reigns. He didn't beat Lesnar clean last year at WrestleMania. Why would they do that with Seth? um a less hot commodity that feud sucked like that was the other thing it's like there was just no part of it is that brock wasn't around and seth was talking to himself and then when brock and paul would talk to themselves and it just it wasn't a blood feud it didn't feel like a wrestlemania main event outside of the names it it just it was flat but kofi and daniel bryan was the exact opposite and yet i was still thinking that daniel bryan and brock lesnar were gonna win and um, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought there was no way that Becky wasn't going to win. But um, especially after seeing how that triple threat unfolded, I think we all can agree that it should have stayed a singles match and it should have just been Becky versus Ronda in the closing spot. And um, if you're going to do that, Becky should have had Ronda tap. That's That should have been the defining WrestleMania moment. So they screwed up. I think they eventually have to acknowledge the fact that that was a huge blunder. The way that match ended was bad the fact that that match did not be just it's not going to resonate i don't think with fans the way the kofi match will and even seth and like randy and aj was great and that feud was great um and i i was one of those people who thought that should have been the the title match on smackdown for this wrestlemania like that made more sense it felt like a bigger wrestlemania match but um i was happy for kofi and i'm happy to see where this goes um raw i think is better with uh, Seth Rollins as champion and having your champion around is a good thing but then again they closed it with the bar as their big surprise tag team and all this stuff so Raw is still broken but it's a little bit better I don't know I just threw out a lot of things that have been on my mind right now Chris so I I, um, I, <laughs> well, I don't know I just had to get all that out of my system well so going back to the, the idea of Seth Kofi and Becky winning the three baby faces I I also didn't think that would happen just because you don't you don't often see that. Uh, plus, Roman coming back gave them a reason to give Brock another to keep Brock around. But I actually I thought they they spaced it out very well. 
I, I was very surprised that they opened with the match that they did, but I think that all worked. I think Seth winning quickly in an opening match was a good way to get the job done and get out of the way for uh, the bigger moments that were going to happen later in the night. So that, that was good. I, I thought the triple bad, triple threat worked fine in the story. I mean, Charlotte was a big part of how this whole thing came together. I think the path getting there with the suspensions and the apologies and the arrests and all this stuff was very, very convoluted. But by the end, I, I, I had no, I had no problem with the triple threat match. I thought they all brought uh, something different to it. Um, and, being at the end of a seven and a half hour show is going to be difficult for anybody though. But uh, all uh, between those three, I think even to have, I mean, even if you were going to say have Becky win via roll up to, to off to, to balance out the quick finish with Seth, the big moment with Kofi didn't quite work out the way they planned, but you know, you talk about planning things a year out in advance. I think that's good. I, I, I think it's good to have a general idea of where you want to go. Um, just, adapt if you need to I, right now i think you should be figuring out what you what you want to do for the next year's wrestlemania and then figure out the path that's going to get there the problem is things change on the fly so much based on all accounts because of vince so we don't end up getting there but uh overall i thought it was uh generally planned out very well and i thought pretty much all the results i think fit the right people won I think ultimately that's the biggest thing is the right people won across the board and not often does WWE just decide to give fans what they want. What a novel novel concept to just give fans something to be happy about, especially when you subjugate them to a, a seven and a half hour wrestling show. Um, so very nice events to uh, to give to give us what we wanted, um, even if it is just for a couple months. But um, will you miss Dean Ambrose at all? Uh, I'll miss certain Dean Ambrose at certain times, Mm -hmm. but as a whole, no. I mean, when Dean was the champion, I thought that was a great run. When he's in championship feuds, he's great. But when he's in feuds that are B feuds or just side feuds, you don't get much out of him. And he never, he just, it never really seemed to fit what he wanted to do with what, you know, the company wants to do. And, you know, I, I think of it like Jericho in New Japan, I think has been perfect for what he likes to do and, and how he does it. Um, and I think something like that for Dean will be the right fit. It just it hasn't been the right fit. I don't want to say it's PG or whatever. I just think he hasn't been able to be as edgy as he wants to be in uh, a new New spot somewhere should help. Like, like I said, like, like I think Jericho's been great over in Japan with these matches, and he's able to say things and do things and act certain ways that feel more authentic to him. And that's just what Dean, uh, Dean slash John Moxley needs to find. See, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to follow the CM Punk path where he's burnt out. I think he really is tired of professional wrestling. I think in a lot of similarities with punk is that like his best trait was his talking ability. Like CM Punk, um, wasn't a, just a household name because of his wrestling ability. That's what got Daniel Bryan over. That's not what got CM Punk over. CM Punk is just one of the best promo guys of all time. But Dean Ambrose, um, is up there. Like Dean, when he's motivated and when he's not doing the goofy hokey, 
comedy stuff like he was doing as WWE champion on SmackDown and that kind of character um it works and then also you don't want it to be like the super ridiculous heel that he was doing with the sirens this spring but there is Dean Ambrose can work in the right context um but I, I don't know. Like, AEW doesn't seem like a fit for me. Like, I don't know why. He definitely can't go to Japan. He's just not a good worker. Like, he's... I don't want to... Who wants to watch a 30-minute Dean Ambrose match? I have no interest. Absolutely none. No, like, but... It, um, but, I uh, I mean, I don't think he... I don't think he... I, see, well, I guess, in terms of burnt out, I don't know. We, we never hear him say anything. He doesn't give shoot interviews. Even when he's on Austin's podcast, he very much does not want to reveal much of anything personally. So I can't speak at all to how he's feeling because he never speaks publicly at all to how he's feeling. So maybe, maybe he doesn't, I mean, maybe he goes and stays in Vegas uh, where him and Renee live and, and she bounces back and forth. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think he has to go do a 30 minute match anywhere though. I think he's got a good style that, that works for certain things. I mean, like that triple H, mini feud match at roadblock a few years ago was great when 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 dean gets to be serious and, and be tough it's great that's why when he came back from the injury with shaved head and everything and he looked a lot bigger it's like this is the tough serious guy the problem is so few people in wwe get to be serious all the time and he's i think a, a character who needs to kind of be serious all the time so how do they get to seth versus roman uh, like that that's going to happen at SummerSlam like that's that's going to be the play but how how do they get there and how does this work um the only way i i mean i don't think Seth turning heel anytime soon so the no, only I way I, I see it you know, the only way i see it is a, a Daniel Bryan John Cena type of main event yeah. where two good guys they just agree on it and 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 go for it and everybody cheers and um, whatnot. I, I can't see, I can't really see going any other way that would make any other sense. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to monitor because they're trying so hard to keep this goodwill towards Roman Reigns, the baby face. Um, but if they push him against Seth Rollins, like all of that's out the window again, like, especially in the SummerSlam cloud. Like, I don't, I don't know. The, yep. Go ahead. The other thing, the, the other possibility would be, very quickly, Roman says, hey, I didn't give that up. Seth, Seth says, okay, you got your shot, and we do a good guy, good guy, like right off the bat at the next pay-per-view or two. Seth wins, and we move forward without it and go somewhere else. I think that's another possibility. And and I, either either do that right away or don't or keep Seth and Roman very apart until SummerSlam because you don't want – you don't want Seth to be doing things with everybody thinking about Roman at the time. I, I think I understand why Roman had to beat Drew, but I, I think there's there's a story to be told in a guy working his way back up from the bottom, um, which I kind of always thought they should do with Roman to really truly gain respect of people, um, but doesn't seem they're going that route. No, and I think it's too late. A lot of that kind of stuff is too late for Roman. I don't know why they didn't give him new music. That was the easiest thing for me. Like sometimes people overthink pro wrestling and how pro wrestling fans work. But if you give him new music, that's just different and cool. Like I think that like there's just something about booing this song and the sound. Like you just know the dirter. Like oh we we don't like this guy. Like no matter what he's done, no matter what he's gone through. Like I I was was kind of surprised. Um, they've gotten very lazy with their entrance music um, in the last couple of years. No Jim Johnson around to fix stuff anymore. But. Um, 
I, I don't know. That's what I thought was like an easy fix there. But I do think um, Seth's not holding this title for a long time. Like Roman back full time. Vin, I, I just, I'm curious how they get here and what that uh, feud looks like. And they're going to, like you said, try and do the, um, I never really lost the title. I'm going to try it. And we're going to be good guy, good guy. And then the thing is like, once the match starts, how does this work? Or once Roman's music hits after Seth, comes out and the crowd yells burn it down and everything and then it's time for roman and he's going to get booted out of the building again and then we're back to square one with the roman reigns problem of just right like, that, that's what yeah. right that's why i want them to keep him that's why i'd rather they stay away for a while let some goodwill build up here with, with roman let let's let's have a long period of time with good feelings around him from a character standpoint because it's honestly it sounded like some people booed him on Raw or was it WrestleMania? Yeah, people uh, are already doing when that it. hit, and yeah. that's just ridiculous and shameful from those people. But shameful. It's very clear at this point. It's very clear. Well, you the guy just came back from cancer. Stop booing. We, we we just went through this, but some, but clearly a vocal part of the crowd is never going to accept it, and I don't think trying to go back go right back to what you're doing is is the right play either i think there's all sorts of stories you can tell we we just we have to get used to a roman character who is not always in the title picture because he just he has been for that's not going to happen by the way years <laughs> that's, now. right that he's always going to be I, in the title that, picture he's always going to be like he was on the verge prior to this cancer diagnosis of main eventing the most consecutive wrestlemanias since hulk hogan no one else has done that. Yeah. Like he's he's number one in merch sales. Like he is going to be back on that throne sooner rather than later. This story is not about Seth Rollins. It's like the Game of Thrones. It's like this story is not about um what the I don't even want to say like even Daenerys. Like it's not about Daenerys. It's about John Stark. Roman Reigns is the John Stark of um pro wrestling. He is the story. He is the centerpiece. He will always be the centerpiece as long as he's in his prime. That's just how this works. Vince does not stray away. He can adjust on some stuff. Like Daniel Bryan's a great example of that. CM Punk momentarily. But he will not adjust from the John Cena's, from the Roman Reigns, from the Hulk Hogan's, from the Stone Cold's, from the Rocks. Like Once he has his guy that he's going to ride for 10 years, he is going to do that as long as humanly possible. Yeah. I know that's we like kind a, of a, we, we we just we just don't have a throwback we just don't have a, a throwback Doctor of Thugonomics Roman Reigns to fondly look back on. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, who could ever forget? Hey, what was his uh, FCW name? Was it Leak Leak Liake? Was it Liake? Something something very Pacific Islander. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. He like yeah. Leave the memories alone. Um, did you see what CM Punk said about Kofi and Ronda this week? I did not. So CM Punk opened up about pro wrestling, which was interesting. But you, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar that he was um, buddies with Kofi during his time. Yeah, in the yeah, company, yeah. And they rode together and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting that he did talk about it because he he's really avoided pro wrestling conversations altogether for years now. But he did, and he talked about the Rousey stuff with the main event, and he was he spoke glowingly of like, and he admitted that like if Rousey is not around, women aren't made like that main event doesn't happen. Like you need Rousey. Like as yeah. great of a story Becky is, like you still needed Rousey to get there. Um, which I thought was fair. What, 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 was it? Was this like? Was this like an interview or, or yes. what was it set up? Just, yeah, it was an was interview. It like a, like a like audio or just someone transcript like a written or I only like, read the transcripts. 
So I'm not sure off the top of my head where it was up. from. But um I was just curious I was just curious who he was talking to. Um let me see. And then the other thing with yeah, Shane like, McMahon, he said something very small about Shane McMahon. Uh, he said it on Sauce and Shram, a Chicago-based oh, podcast. And, yeah, Sauce and Yeah, yeah. I see that. Okay. Interesting. Um, but the Kofi stuff, like him just being openly like, it should have happened years ago, and he's like, he, he makes some very valid points. Like he's still just, <sighs> I miss CM Punk, obviously, but um, he's my favorite professional wrestler of all time. But, uh I thought it was cool. Like he, he went to bat for his guy and he's just like, this dude deserved it. I knew he was awesome 10 years ago. And he's also just like, still not afraid to just fire shots of like, we know why he didn't get the torch past him 10 years ago. We know why it's taken so long. We know why this has been so complicated. So him just having that kind of perspective, still not being bitter and being happy for his friend, um, was cool. And, um, he's one of the, he's, he's one of the, he, he's one of the smartest guys in in recent history when it comes to wrestling like you know he he knows he knows what to do he knows what works he knows why things happen he knows who deserves what um so i i know he has very much not said anything and i i i think i respect that he uh, has done that i also believe he has no intention to come back um but it, it it's nice i'm sure he was as he said i'm sure he was extremely happy and um i'm glad he feels that he can um can come out to do that yeah um hope he goes to AEW. i know that's very smarky to say but like his his mind for the business is just too good and with that being a wrestler focused business model and the the talent comes first he would just he would be so perfect for that group which he was pretty he was yeah i mean he was pretty adamant that he was not at all planning anything with all our well, not even like wrestle. In. I don't want him to even wrestle well, like, at this point. Well, like, Just be a general sure, manager I mean, for like, them. Like, like, yeah. Cody, I mean, what? Cody said he there was an open invitation, and CM Punk said it was not even that formal and doesn't seem like there was much to it. Um, I don't... I, I think he he knows what kind of lightning rod he is, and, you know, he... I, I believe... I just I believe that he's not going back to wrestling. Maybe he comes back in some other sort of role of creative or something. But yeah, I, I think I, I'd love to have him. And I think the pro wrestling world, I think he was good for it. Uh, uh, it'd be nice to see him land anywhere. But the, the whole I hope everybody goes to AEW thing is um, an easy thing for everybody to just say right now until it actually gets going. Yeah. All right, last thing, and then we'll get out of here. Um, the Superstar Shake-Up. It's finally coming. Um, it, 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 we've needed it now more than ever. They're, everybody's on every show. Um, unfortunately, Lars Sullivan is on every show. Lacey Evans is on every show. Something must be done. And um, now we're we're closing in on Johnny Gargano fulfilling his destiny as the, the top guy on 205 Live. Um, so it's, it's fun times. We're... Um, would you like to see some guys go? Is there anything that you've already been thinking about? You're like, oh, I hope they go there. I hope they go there. You know, I'm not sure how many shakeups I want because SmackDown has been so good for a while, and I love that the Usos and New Day are there together. I love that. I love Miz being there. Miz is so much better on SmackDown than he is on Raw. Daniel Bryan is in a great spot there. 
I, I basically I just want more Raw people to come to SmackDown and nobody on SmackDown to go to Raw because Raw is a complete mess and everybody who goes from SmackDown to Raw does not come out in a better position. And I'm not totally sure why that is, but you mentioned it, it earlier. But Raw is just a complete mess, and and maybe maybe you move Roman over to SmackDown to get him away from Seth to 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 really split that up, and you put him in an environment at SmackDown where people are generally there's more positive feelings on things and maybe that helps him so in in terms of that i I guess becky will be on both shows it looks like the women's tag are going to be doing the same thing i think finn balor again finn balor come back to smackdown he was pretty good on smackdown and it's been ugly since he went to raw so i think i'm not really looking forward to this shakeup. i i thought things were pretty good the first draft i thought it was a good split then they shook it up and it wasn't very good i think they shook it up again and now I think it's in a good spot again. So we'll see. I, I think Raw is going to be difficult to watch no matter what. And I trust, I'm starting to trust SmackDown to turn whatever they get into something pretty good. So I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah. I just want, I, I like thing. I, I like just the dust settling. I like just knowing that certain people are going to be on certain shows like just put ricochet and alistair black on one show so i know which show to watch and like you said i think there's no saving raw as long as it's three hours you just can't save that it's just a bad show and also putting the tag titles on uh writers and writer and hawkins is never something you you want yeah to that's do. another one just this everybody who's got a belt in 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 smackdown you got samoa joe you've got the usos you've got uh kofi kingston um, and I guess technically Becky, like they just, they have it all right. Raw is a mess. So yeah, Re- Revival, who knows who's got, okay, here, another one, I guess. I would love the Revival to be over on SmackDown. I'd love to see Revival Usos, Revival New Day. Maybe they flip flop. I don't know, but I think there's just a lot of uh, opportunities uh, in one environment and not so much in the other. Yeah, and just getting uh, so many of these people on right shows. It's cool that EC3's got Drake Maverick now, so put him on a show. Just oh, what happened with that? Oh, there. Wait, uh, something happened? Yes. So that's that's a that's a thing they're going with. Drake Maverick is going to be managing EC3. That's weird. Uh, I, I it's weird because he doesn't need EC3. Well, okay, it's better than nothing. I'm not going to complain because I think those guys should be together and be great. But what it should be is what it was in TNA, which was the two of them being best friends and. You build yes. up EC3 being a jerk to him, and that turns into Drake Maverick getting the the, the underdog baby face, and you go with that. Like that 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 did you ever that hair that hair was a hair versus hair match or whatever between EC3 and and Rockstar Spud um, a number of years back was so good. That's one of my favorite wrestling. Uh, scenes of the last few years when they had to go to black and white because it was getting so bloody and EC3 gives them the speech about how, how hard Rockstar Spud fought. People in England can be proud of him. It was a great happy ending. They're friends again. And then he says, nope. Then he shaves his head and just, just it was, that was wrestling gold. I would love to see them do something like that together in WWE, but if they're just going to continue, I don't know why they don't have EC3 talking. That's like the best thing he does. I don't know. I, if Drake Maverick is manager, fine. That's better than nothing. They're doing something with him, so I won't complain too much, but it just feels like there's uh, opportunity there. 
Yeah. Um, the handling of the, the guys who ca- called up before the Ricochet group, um, the EC3 Heavy Machinery, Lacey Evans group has just been there, and obviously the weird stuff with Lars, um, and he's now there. Um, I, I just want... I like knowing where just guys are so I can be like, okay, this guy can go here, they can feed here. Um, I think AJ should never be moved away from SmackDown. Um, I think you need to focus on finding some sort of way to make Finn Balor more interesting because I think they wasted another year of Finn Balor's prime because he's sneaky old. Um, And if he's rarely going to don the demon costume, then you have to give him something else because he's just, he's boring when you don't have anything else. You have like, give him a group, give him something like AJ was teasing the bullet club reunion on Twitter this week of him. How have they not done? How have they not done that? What, what is the point of the club? Ever since they came over, it's like the only point was to just take them away from bullet club. They've done, they've like kind of hinted at it, but now they're the good brothers and they've just been the butt of jokes forever. It's like they came in with. It's like they came in with the idea that maybe they could join with Finn or AJ, and then just didn't do it and forgot about him. AJ with them would be great. Put him in a, in a trios. There's just so many guys everywhere that are just doing nothing that feel like they could be doing something. Yeah, but there's also not a lot of room. There's too many guys. Like this roster's too big. Like I want. That's part of the reason that I'm happy that AEW exists because we haven't gotten those summer cuts. We haven't had well, people get released anytime soon. Like it used to be a yearly thing. We can't we we can't say three hours is too long and also say that there's not enough room for everybody. No, you can. Is... You can 100% say that. You can say that the both shows should be two hours and you should also not sign this many people. They're gobbling up talent. That's like, fine. Well, that's fine. That, well, I'm just saying the fact is they do have the time. How many times do we need to see Apollo Crews versus what Jinder Mahal like five weeks in a row or Ziggler versus McIntyre like five weeks in a row? Like there's just so many stories that do not advance or repeat and don't do anything. I, I, I don't, I'm not part of the creative process. I don't know how this all works. I, Big Show has said that Vince thinks just week to week often don't transfer. It's like every, the problem with Raw is that you have a three hour show, but only like one hour of content is advances anything. There's just literally two hours of filler. I don't know who to put that on because there are just stories that could be told that are just simply not being told. Whoever's final decision that is, that's what's happening. And, and, and that's like, do, do you, do we think they really have a plan for Mojo Raleigh? Like they started this and now we're here. And like, it was like the stardust room where it didn't go anywhere. Like it's like, sometimes we just, I don't know if they forget people are doing things week to week or what, but there's, there's three hours of show and maybe one hour of stuff that's not meant to fill time. And so that's why it gets very frustrating when you have people that I think are simply not being used. Well, I think ultimately the biggest thing, and this goes into the Mojo stuff, the Bray Wyatt weird buzzard thing, like they build their television shows around YouTube and social media where they want two minute snippets. They, they know the majority of their fans are not watching the entirety of their games. It it, like Mm -hmm. their shows, like they know my brother, my brother, yeah, my brother's into it. And he 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 only watches he only watches the the recaps on on YouTube. Right, like that's I think that's the reason the especially raw sucks is nothing blends. So it's not like you're watching a three hour intense 
just all the characters are uh, bound together. There's stakes. There's all this other stuff. No, they're they're building their shows around like, all right, here's going to be our five second Eli- or five minute Elias segment. Then we're going to go to this, and then we're going to go to that, and then it's just it, 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 it's just it's like a PowerPoint presentation where they're that's, just like, that, you know, that's slide. a really you know, that's a right. That's a really good point that I hadn't really considered. I, it's been bothering me forever that these shows are not episodic they're not serial format they're literally a variety show and that makes a lot of sense that it's for youtube that it's for social media that it's for those snippets um that's a great i've never i never really thought about that that's a great way of putting it and that's further reason to simply not watch it on tv right like, it's like just you watch the pay-per-views because there's, that's there's a different not, thing yeah when you know when i when i when i like to say i miss the attitude era I don't mean I missed the brawn panties. I don't mean I missed the choppy choppy PP. There was there was a story. Every episode was a story from right. beginning to end. There was something that happened in the beginning. You'd get updates as it went along. It would build a crescendo in the main event. And you can complain about what the stories were. Fine. You can complain about Vince Russo. Fine. But the guy knew storytelling. And I, I used to like a year ago, I, I, I listened to his podcast where he would review a raw from the attitude era and they would just uh, talk about things that happened. And for every single thing that happened, he explained why they did it, why it mattered based on something that had previously happened or why it was foreshadowing that something was about to happen. And it's, it, it's just, that just is not the case anymore. It's essentially just straight up sports where here's a game, here's a game, here's a game. Maybe something happens. Maybe something doesn't. There is no storyline throughout the episodes. If there is, it's something happens at the very beginning of the show. And then two and a half hours later, we get to it in the main event. And I just, people don't want to stick around for that. And uh, I'm very curious how things go with Fox, considering the ratings continue to go downward and, and downward. If there's any changes on the horizon, but, Based on what you're explaining there, which I think makes perfect sense, I don't think there's any reason to expect that. No, um, I, I don't either. Um, but yeah, there's no changing it. Like it's a it's a very good business model. Like their revenue is through the yeah. roof. They're making more money than ever. That's mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is that it, there's no reason for Vince to change his structure. That this this all works. Like this is everybody's a Marvel superhero. All these things don't matter. Exactly. That's exactly it. Everybody. I've I've said this for a while. Everybody is a brand. Every Mm -hmm. individual character is a brand, and they can only stay within the certain parameters of their character of that brand. They never get to evolve. They never get to change unless it's a hard turn, hard heel turn, or something like that. Nobody really. Why doesn't the women's division just... interact with the cruiserweight division and the main and the then like Braun getting to interact with Alexa every week? Why aren't these characters yeah, interacting right. with each other? It's because it's not a, it's not a real universe. Right. It's, it's a variety show, mm-hmm. and that's another that's another thing from the attitude era. You'd have crossovers all the time, yes. just matches between people. Someone would probably interfere at the end to set something else up, but like there was a structure to the show. And, and you got the sense that there was a, you got like, it wasn't real, but you got the sense that they felt it was real. Like we have this match scheduled for this time. Oh, this happened. We're going to change. Like how many Raws do you get there? And they announced something happens in the first 10 minutes that creates the main event. What was the, 
in kayfabe, in kayfabe, what was the plan at the beginning of the day? What was the original main event going to be like? Even Nitro used to do that in the early days. Yes. When something would something would change, they would they would say, "Oh, we originally had blah 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 scheduled as the main event, but we're going to do this now." And just like the little things like that that really show an appreciation for the viewer are just not there anymore. And that more than anything is what I would like to see from. AEW since it's the new thing. It's not Kenny Omega versus whatever dream match, five-star matches, whatever. I want to see a story. I want to be told a story. I want to buy into a story. And more than being the elite does that. It's hokey sometimes, but there's a story there where uh, if you miss an episode, you're going to want to go back. Like you need to go back. Yeah, you you can miss everything. You're going to want to go back. Right. Right. So there's not... the first, the beginning of being the elite is not is not someone standing in the ring and repeating everything that happened a week ago. Like every raw starts off, it, it takes ten minutes before we get anything new. That's not, I, it bothers me with the program promos. Everything's a recap, so so there's no incentive that you have to watch because the next week they're going to tell you everything anyway. So that's another just with the story. I just I want a story. I want reason to 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 buy into these characters. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen in uh, World Wrestling Entertainment because the other thing too is like they. This is the biggest thing. Like it, I know people are like, "Oh, you like the we talked about with the Attitude Era stuff of like, oh, we want it to be PG thirteen and all this other stuff." No, it's just more of like that's something that adults appreciate is episodic television. Like there's a reason there's not twelve year olds watching Breaking Bad. There's a reason that um, we're into different kinds of shows and different kinds of entertainment. Is that like that? It, kids don't care kids aren't noticing how this all works that these are all brands and none of this matters and the characters don't interact and the shows suck and everything they just want to see ricochet come out for five minutes and do a flippy stuff and then they're gonna be back on their phones for 15 minutes and then they're gonna come back in they're like oh is that the other guy yeah oh cool we're gonna watch him for a few seconds and then we're gonna go out they want just them to recognize their face their entrance music um a few basic things about them and then go buy Mattel stuff, go do buy tickets to the show, buy merch, all that other stuff. And would they be able to explain the character or anything like that? Or like who their actual rivalries are? No, none of that matters because when you market your biggest audience to kids, kids don't care about stuff like that. You don't have to go above and beyond and this kind of stuff. That is the downfall to kind of uh, repositioning who your demographic is, is that like episodic television does not interest them. That's not their thing. You can watch any random episode of blues clues and not get lost. Like it's okay. You can miss one and it's, it's fine. SpongeBob, whatever show you want to say, like they're all the same. Like you don't even Batman, the animated series that I'm like, I loved growing up. You can miss an episode. It doesn't fucking matter. You can still jump into the next one. It's fine. And, 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 all of this is to say, and that we said that's the model, and that's and it's working. Right. They've got record profits. It's it, it it is what it is. But it's frustrating because even Marvel movies have come to the point where you can't just jump in. Like you can't you can't jump into Endgame without watching what happened previously. You can't watch Game of Thrones without got in previously. Like you don't really you don't really understand how little storytelling there is in a lot of WWE right now until you watch something else and you remember, Oh, this is what it's like for characters to evolve and stuff like that. But again, it, it's, it's working. That's the business model that, that this is what they bet on. They went all in on social media and it's a complete success. The network was a complete success. And, and 
they were ahead of absolutely ahead of the game on that. And there was something that I actually did for a few weeks that I ended up stopping just because I got busy with other things. But when Raw would come on, instead of watching Raw, I would pull up a Raw from 1997 and play that instead. And I got into it. And then I think football season happened and I got too busy. But that's also because of the network. I, they do WWE does try to provide you everything. They give you what you what people like us want. They give it to us in NXT, and we are grateful for that. And it's why NXT I think is the best wrestling promotion in the world right now. I, I think it, it 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 finds the sweet spot between everything that's out there. Um, so in that sense, they are trying to give everybody everything. It's just when it's the flagship show that, you know, you grew up on and it's changed, it's uh, frustrating, but it is what it is. And, and they have to feed a lot of mouths and it is what it is. Maybe, maybe competition will change their ways, but maybe not because the money is, uh, is what it is and it's working. And in the end, that's the goal. Yeah. I think that's a good way to wrap up here. Chris, this has been great. I really do appreciate you taking the time tonight, man. Yeah, anytime anybody wants to talk wrestling, I am down for it. All right, well, we will talk again soon, man. Is there anything we need to check out on theathletic.com where you are a writer there and also the lead member of the Bullet Club? (laughs) Yeah, just uh, theathletic.com. It's a subscription site where we cover every single pro sports team, cover college football, college basketball. I I do college football. Um, If you haven't given it look at do that the athletic.com slash free trial you can check everything out there's no ads on the site at all all the writing is great like i said if you if you, if you have a favorite sports team we've got somebody covering it telling you stories that uh you're not going to find anywhere else so i hope uh, your listeners will give that a try if they haven't yet all right do it i read it every day it's great stuff and it employs people like chris who are very good at their jobs and also agree with me on professional wrestling which is Really, if we're being honest, the most important thing, uh, Chris. And they and, and they and they allow me to write about wrestling. I, I wrote a story in the fall about Biggie and Roman Reigns and Titus O'Neil and how football players become pro wrestlers. It was one of the favorite things I did. Um, so I was happy to work for a company that let me do that. There you go, Chris. Thank you so much. Subscribe to theathletic.com. Let's talk in soon, man. Yep. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.